0: Good morning. The scripture reading today comes from Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Please hear the word of the Lord. And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width, and what is its length. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. Up, escape to Zion. You will dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For those said the Lord of the hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Behold, I will shake my hand over them, and they shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I come, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the holy land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. This is the an inerrant and infallible word of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's return to Zechariah chapter 2. If you don't know where it is in your Bibles, just go to Matthew and turn back toward the Old Testament a few pages. You'll come to Zechariah. Or you can look it up in the index of your Bible and it will give you a page number. And you can say, no matter what else happens this morning, I've learned where the book of Zechariah is. Let's pray together Our Father, we open your word. Introduce your word. I cannot teach this. I cannot preach this and make any difference in anyone's life. Father, you know that I understand this passage. You know that I love this passage. But Father, my knowledge of this passage and my love of this passage will not change anyone's heart. Will not cause the ears to be open. Or cause the blind to see. So we pray in these next few minutes. That once more. In this room. We will hear your voice. In the power of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, Father. We come as children. And that's what we're asking. We're just asking our Father. To teach us. Maybe, give us ears to hear, Father, maybe, maybe for the first time for some of us. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray, amen. How large is Christ Presbyterian Church? A businessman from Texas was visiting some associates, business associates in Chicago. He was one of those proud, proud Texans. And he let his friends in Chicago know that Chicago just could not touch Texas. They showed him the great stockyards of Chicago. And he simply replied, I I know ranches that have larger stock pens than this. They showed him the trade center. He said, this is is terribly small compared to the trade center in Dallas. He was so obnoxious that his Chicago hosts put some snapping turtles from Lake Michigan in his bed. When he pulled back the covers, he was surprised. He said, what are those? Those are Chicago bedbugs. And he looked and said, well, I'll be. They're small, aren't they? We laugh at such stories that speak of how Texans feel about their state. But we could learn from them as Christians. I think as Christians, we need to relearn. We need to be reminded, especially in this day, what God says about his church. In the passage before us, Zechariah chapter 2, God speaks of the greatness of his people. He speaks of the largeness of his church. He is speaking to the people of Zechariah's day. And he's saying, your vision of my people, your vision of my church is too small. We must ask when we read this passage, what would he say about our vision of his church? How large is Christ's Presbyterian church in your mind, in your eye? As we look at this passage, I first want us to see the measure of the church. Look at verse one. And I lifted my eyes and saw and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward and another angel came forward to meet him. And he said to him, run to say that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages as a city without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. Now, Zechariah, let's put this in contact. Zechariah was a prophet during the time of Jerusalem's rebuilding. Seventy For 70 years, Jerusalem had been in rubble. It looked like a bombed out city. Grass grew in its the streets. There were absolutely no inhabitants. It had been leveled by the Babylonian army that did not leave one stone upon upon another. In Zechariah's day, a small remnant had returned. And Jerusalem was being rebuilt from scratch. What would everyone there in Zechariah's day be saying? Some older folks would be talking about how... Huge and glorious the old city had been before it was destroyed. The younger folks who could not remember were talking about how great and large they wanted this to be. And then there were the discouragers who had to be there. Who said it will never be like it once was. Then God gave Zachariah a vision. A vision of Jerusalem and the largeness of Jerusalem, the largeness of his people. And then Zechariah came preaching. In his vision, he saw a man with a Stanley tape measure, a very large Stanley tape measure. And Zechariah naturally asked him, what are you doing with that tape measure? I am going to measure Jerusalem. Now there had been an Angel present with Zechariah and another angel showed it up on the scene and he laughed. <laughs> Go catch that young man with that measure. picture. Measure Jerusalem. Are you kidding? That's a joke. It would be impossible. God was saying, you seriously think. You seriously think you can measure my city. In verse four, he says that it would be a city without walls. What did he mean? The city, Jerusalem, in its real meaning and its influence and its power, was far larger than any walled fortress. The city was the home of, you see, this was the home of God's people. This is where God's people dwelt. This is where God's people lived. Think about it. God would enter this world incarnate. He would come in the flesh at Bethlehem, a suburb of Jerusalem. John the Baptist would call the entire nation to revival from the areas around Jerusalem. He would prepare for a Messiah from that place. The Messiah would come to Jerusalem. And from that city would shake the world. It is there that he would take the sin of his people on himself. It was there that he would die a death that no one else could die. It was there that the mighty resurrection would occur as he came forth from the grave. It was there that the Holy Spirit would come and empower the church. And send out the church to the ends of the earth. What was happening in this vision? God was laughing. He had heard the men of Zechariah's day talking about the physical side, the physical size of Jerusalem. And God just laughed. You talk about measuring. He said it's immeasurable. You have no idea how large. Jerusalem is in my history, in my providence. When I travel, I, I usually try to hide the fact that I'm a minister. Now it's not because I'm ashamed of it. But when people discover, when I tell them I'm a minister, when they ask me what I do and I say I'm a minister, the conversation changes after they know my vocation. They. The conversation is predictable. First, they try to remember anything that they might have said that offended. And then they say, you're a minister. What denomination? Presbyterian. Where's your church? 500 Tig Store Road in Fayette County, Tennessee. Then the inevitable question. How large is your church? I promise you, I've never had anyone get to... Where's your church? What's what's your church? And never ask about the size of it. What's the size of your church? Now I have an answer to that question. My church at 500 Tig Store Road is so huge, you cannot conceive how large it is. We People, we may meet inside these walls. There may be a certain number of members. But folks, we are the people of God Almighty. How do you measure what Christ has done in our individual lives? How do you measure what the Holy Spirit... Do you realize the Holy Spirit of the living God has come and changed our hearts individually? And not only that, He dwells with us. Christ himself meets with us. He said, wherever two or three gather in my name, I will be there. How do you measure that? You can't. We could talk about restored marriages, changed lives. Lives rescued from meaningless and empty materialism. Lives rescued from drugs, pornography, greed, boredom. Most exciting part of my week, I love this, is when I pronounce God's benediction and the people in this room stream out that door, plunging into the world, leaving with Christ all over them, going with the Word of God in their hearts, the Holy Spirit in their hearts, going out with changed hearts, going to Schools, as teachers and students, going to football fields, basketball courts, as players with Christ in their heart. The Word of God. Going to universities as students, going to courtrooms as lawyers and judges, going to the marketplace as buyers and salesmen, going to corporations as owners or workers. Wherever we go, the Spirit of Christ is there. The Word of God is there. That's what makes me mad, really angry, about churches that have abandoned the Word of God, where worship is boring, the sermon empty, expectations are low, and people come expecting nothing and they receive what they've expected. There's no effect on the world. There's no stories to tell. Listen to me. Where Jesus is. Where his work is taking place. It cannot be measured. Next time someone asks you how large Christ Presbyterian is, just laugh and say, no one knows how large we are. Maybe when we get home, we might have some idea of how large we were. The measure of the church. Secondly, I want you to see the indestructibility of the church. Look at verse 5. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord. And I will be the glory in her midst. Look at verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Jerusalem, when they deal with you, they deal with me. That's what God was saying. You know what? That's what God says about Christ Presbyterian. Christ Presbyterian, it's the apple of his eye. You deal with Christ Presbyterian, you're dealing with God. You worry about the church. We're tempted to. I'm tempted to constantly. What will the evolutionists do with the church? What will humanism and the secular cathedrals of education do with the church? What will the media do with the church? What will the government do with the church? What will our secular society do with the church? Well, let's tally up the score. Rome and Caesar took on the church. They lost. Voltaire and the French Revolution took on the church. They lost. The noted French atheist Voltaire said in 1750 that in 100 years, by 1850, there would be no church left in the world. Christianity would be eradicated. It was only 50 years after he died that the Geneva Bible Society purchased his house to print Bibles. Later, it became the Paris headquarters for the British and Foreign Bible Society. Hitler took on the church. He lost. Russia took on the church. Russia lost. China took on the church. China lost. When Mao Zedong came to power, there were 300,000 Christians in China. He declared war on the church. He was going to eradicate the church. Christians were tortured and killed. Church buildings were burned and destroyed. The Bible was ridiculed and outlawed. Forty years later, when Mao died, those 300,000 Christians had turned into 50 million Christians. What does the world say about you? Whatever the world says about you as a Christian, it it says about Jesus. When the world laughs at you, the world laughs at Jesus. Remember, as Saul lay in the dust in that Damascus road and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul could have said, Jesus, I'm not persecuting you. uh, These crazy people in your church, I'm after them. And what would Jesus have said? Saul, you touch them, you touch me. That's my bride. That's the apple of my eye. Jesus is indestructible. They hung him on a cross and killed him. They buried him and walked away thinking they had heard the last of him. That was done. He came back. And is still coming. They could not destroy him then and they cannot destroy him now. If you can destroy Christ, you can destroy his church, but he's indestructible. The measure of the church, the indestructibility of the church. Thirdly, I want you to see the triumph of the church. Look at verse 11. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Not only will God's people not be destroyed, it's just the opposite. They will be overpowering. Nations, nations will join them. Remember Simeon when he held Jesus as a baby and pronounced a blessing upon Jesus? What did he say in Luke 2.32? He looked at Jesus and he said, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. You know what he was saying? A light of revelation for the world. What did Jesus say to Peter in Matthew 16, 18? I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand the onslaught of my church. Think about it. The Christians in Damascus were quaking in fear when they heard that Saul was coming. What were the odds when he left Jerusalem? That when he, that in Damascus, he would become a Christian. What odds would Las Vegas have given that the very savages which killed Jim Elliot in Ecuador, that those same savages, the very ones that pierced him and killed him, would be converted? Preparing this message has been good for me. For most of my ministry, I've had a, a hit list. A list of people that I know personally, not world leaders or anything, just people I know. And I look at them and I think, that person is never going to become a Christian. That's impossible for that person to be. The least likely person, you know, when used to be and. In high school yearbooks, the most likely to succeed or the most likely to do this. And I had my list, the most likely not to become Christians. And I would pray for them. Pray for them on a regular basis. Just kept a, a list. Sometimes that list changed. Because they were now a part of the church of Jesus Christ. They had become believers. And I realized this week that I hadn't been paying much attention to that list. It reminded me, I need to go back to that list. I need to pray for the most unlikely people I know to become Christians. I challenge you, make your list. I challenge you, make your list. See what happens on this rock, I will build my church and the very gates of hell will not be able to stand the onslaught. The measure of the church, the indestructibility of the church, the triumph of the church. Finally, I want you to see the resource and the glory of the church. And this is the best part. Why is the church so powerful? Why can't the church be measured? Because we have such great members. Because we're Presbyterians. Look at the end of verse 5. And I will be the glory in her midst. Isn't that a beautiful sentence? I will be the glory in her midst. Circle that, underline it. Look at verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. That's the church. For behold, I come, and I will dwell in your midst. See, he keeps saying it. He said in verse 5, he says it again in verse 10. Look at verse 11. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst. God doesn't say that to any other institution. God ordained government in his word, but he doesn't say, and I will be in your midst to government. God ordained judicial courts in his word, but he doesn't use those words. I will be in your midst. He doesn't say those words to the courts all kinds of institutions. There's Wall Street. There's the media. Jesus doesn't say, I will be in your midst. It's to the church of Jesus Christ that he says, I will be in your midst. We here today, someone will say, I have a bad self-image. Someone will say, this friend of mine has a bad self-image. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you. The church has a bad self-image. The world thinks that we're out of, an out-of-date group of moralists and religionists who are completely irrelevant to the fast and powerful world of the 21st century. They think we're dying. We have no answers. Certainly have no power. That's the way the world thinks. But the world has always thought that way. Go back to the first century the world thought that way. That's not new. What is terrible is that the church has bought into that thinking. That's the way we think about ourselves. You've heard me say this before. You'll hear me say it again. My father... was like Billy Griggs back there. He was a Marine in World War II. He loved the Marines. He would sometimes say to his family or he would say from the pulpit, I loved the Marines. I love the glory of the Marine Corps. But then there would be tears in his eyes. And he would say, but the glory of the Marine Corps paled in comparison to the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. He would say, I love the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, an older gentleman, a business owner, asked me why I was a minister. He said, John, he said, It's obvious you have a good mind. You work hard. He said, you could have been extremely successful in the business world. Now, it sounded like a compliment, but it wasn't. He was saying, John, why are you wasting your time with the church? Why are you wasting your time in that vocation? This is how I answered him. First, I said, it seems to me that you really don't think the church is worth much. I said, I guess that's the difference between us. I think the church is the only hope that my family has. It's the only hope our country has and that the world has. I saw the look on his face was something between a smile and a smirk and He looked at me like, you poor, naive child. But I didn't stop. I said, but let's take your position. Since the church is not worth anything, and I'm wasting my time, let's just remove the church completely from the world around us. Let's take the church out of the United States. Let's take the gospel of Jesus Christ out of the United States. Let's take the Bible, every Bible out of the country. Let's take every Christian individual individual out of the country. Let's take every Christian family out of the country. Let's remove every church building, every minister, every Bible study. Take it all out. Let's remove every school, every elementary school, every high school, every college, every university that was started by the church of Jesus Christ. Let's remove every hospital that was started by the church of Jesus Christ. Let's remove every children's home. Let's remove every mercy mission that was started by Christians. Let's remove it all. And I said, now you answer me honestly. Do you want to live there? And I told him. I said, it's been tried in our modern world. You want to live in Hitler's Germany? You want to live in Stalin's Russia? You want to live in Mao Zedong's China? China? Have at it. There was silence. Citizens of Fayette County, the only thing that will keep Fayette County, that will keep you and your family from sinking into the abyss of an all-moral society will be Jesus Christ and his church. You see, when he came, he not only brought a cross, he not only brought an empty tomb, he not only brought salvation, he brought his church to be light in a dark world. Brought his church to be salt in a world rotting from within. If we are faithful to him, if we remain faithful to his word in this place, if we remain the church of Jesus Christ, we will be that light. And we will be that salt. And when someone says, how large is Christ's Presbyterian?" You will be able to say, I have no idea. I have no idea. But one day we'll find out that was far larger than even
0: I imagined.